Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm on with Tiffany Maza. Tiffany, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Alex. Yes, of course. First of all, thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm Tiffany. I'm CEO of Tikio, a Google Partner Digital Marketing Agency, and also the creator of Not to Die For, which is a curated vegan and cruelty-free e-commerce. And yeah, I've been in digital marketing for over 10 years and the, my agency TQ is full stack. So we do everything from paid media, web development, PR, pretty much. Yeah. How did you get started with your own agency? With the agency? Well, I had, I, I used to be long time ago, a, the e-commerce manager of Hotel Chain. And it got into a point in which my boss was the owner. So we had a conversation in which um, I told him like either I end up going to work to another company or I start my own agency and you're my first client and he was okay with that and that's how pretty much started how it it started and this company was my first client and then I started like expanding to other clients as well and started adding people to my team and yeah that's Interesting. So you started adding people to your team. How, how did you find good employees to work with? At first, it was pretty much like friends of friends or like even friends sometimes for some specific things that needed to be done. But then via LinkedIn, when I got into a point in which, okay, like I needed people that I didn't know already, mainly from LinkedIn. That's where I started. Nice. Posting and it works. It's Cool. So, so how long did it take you from, you know, your first client to today? What is that progression? How has that progression looked like? How long has it taken? So um, actually the agency started, I started it like six years ago, but in the middle. So I, I was raised in Argentina. Um, when that happened, when I started it, it was there in Argentina, but then I came to the States. I was living in Miami and uh, with, I did have clients from all over the world, but for living uh, more comfortably here in the U.S., uh, I took a job at another agency for two years. So it it kind of had a it was a, on pause for two years the agency, and then two years ago I got back to it. Um, I quit the other job, and uh, I kind of revamped it, and now we are five people in the team. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of a story in, in terms of clients. We have um, seven on retainer and then we have projects every now and then. Mm-hmm. And how do you find like opportunities to like, how, how do you find clients? Um, one of those it's referrals and some, some, Something that I do often, it's pretty much talk, via LinkedIn, uh, talking to people that I think will fit uh, in their agency. Uh, I reach out to them and usually they, they are open to, to have a chat and analyze whether we are a good fit or not. And they started like niching down a lot is and not and started to say no to certain kind of clients so that uh, we focused on clients that I know we're going to do a great job and we are really going to improve their metrics and, uh, you know, 
create like successful business cases. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, and so that that's more about your agency. What about your e-commerce brand? How did that get started? Yeah, so the e-commerce, we kind of treat it as if it was just another client. Um, it is, so it started uh, two, two years ago, yeah. Um, so I went vegan like three years ago and something that I noticed is that like the food part for me was pretty easy. Uh, but then when it came to uh, personal care items like shampoo, um, also uh, soaps or even detergent, it, like I started to notice that most of those, those products had uh, animal ingredients on them. So I kind of started curating them and created this shop in which people like me who like don't like who try to avoid uh, animal products. Uh, they can like just go there and don't need to read labels uh, every time they, they have to purchase something. So it's pretty much like a safe space for people who wants to avoid animal ingredients and also those who choose cruelty-free products. Uh, so that's pretty much how it started. And now we treat it as if it was another client within the agency in terms of mm -hmm. social media, well, the website that was developed um email marketing we do pretty much everything uh, in-house mm -hmm. and are you aggregating food brands that are vegan for animals or is it are you producing it so no we produce a little amount of products um but most of them are curated from other from small businesses within the u.s um we have a, almost 80 products now. The idea is to add more even, but uh, most of them are known brands that are um, out there. But we don't have a food. We do have some uh, okay. supplements or uh, things like that. But in, it's very focused on personal care items, also like household items. and. Oh, okay, my, my mistake. Okay, so, so this is more like holistic vegan living yes so exactly mm -hmm. interesting and how do you decide which products to market to people if you have 80 products yeah so the idea is to add more but one of the things we do is pretty much ask on social media what people are interested in and and we add that and then when when we started it, it was mainly focused on the things that are usually harder to find. Um, and there's also not a lot of knowledge about the, like the amount of products that have animal ingredients on them. So um, it was pretty much focusing on those that are harder to get. Um, and then we started adding more. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much how. Mm -hmm. Those are like the main things that we take into account for adding products. And how do you, uh, uh, like, do you do a lot of prospecting? Do you mainly focus on owned email lists and owned uh, audiences? Um, what is the amount of time you put into, you know, prospecting versus owned audiences? So since this brand is pretty new, like we are still in a getting 
more rich in prospecting, creating awareness of the brand and also like the products that we have. Uh, we do have um, a, like a, a list of clients and we do email marketing um, for, for those audiences, but we are still in a growing, uh, the growing moment. So it's very much more focused on creating awareness, prospecting kind of tactics. Okay. Interesting. Um, I like that you're, you sort of built your own business to run through your marketing agency. Yeah. Um, that's, that's an interesting synergy. Do you have any other synergies in the way that you've structured your businesses? Yeah, not really. Like, honestly, I did many things before in the past um but many projects that didn't work or i was not very passionate about them so like they kind of kind of let them die um and same thing like they were always treated as clients but um but yeah now these are the the two main businesses which they are both doing good so that's also great i'm very focused also on um, on the clients, I, I kind of my role is very like strategic and also um, yeah, very focused on leading the team, also speaking with the clients and like um, also getting new clients. Uh, but then the, the all of the hands-on work is mainly um, like there are team members that um, they are very knowledgeable of what they do in terms of. Uh, for example, the media or content creation, and they uh, do that, the hands-on work for that, like, uh, QA and review the overall strategy mm -hmm. for those. So you, you definitely focus on your own niche, and I think that's something that is right off the bat clearly a differentiator for you. So yeah. what are the kinds of clients that you focus on? It's mainly e-commerce that we, we do have clients that are not e-commerce as well, but our main strengths, uh, I'd say e-commerce because we're very uh, metrics driven. Um, we do analyze the data a lot and have many reports with data so that we can make strategic decisions based on those. Um, but we also have like a big, um, like honestly in the past years, we started focusing uh, more on uh, vegan and sustainability businesses so that we niche down in that area because we do have the expertise uh, not only because of not to die for like my brand but we do have um, uh, like big dog which is a plant-based food dog uh, dog food um, and we worked for a solar panel company for a long time uh, we do have um, we work for House Loves by Lady Gaga, which is a vegan and cruelty-free uh, makeup brand. Uh, but yeah, those are pretty much the, um, that's our main niche, e-commerce, but also if they are within the sustainability or vegan area also, it's pretty much. Mm -hmm. So how did you come, how did you decide on this niche? Uh, to focus on? So the e-commerce part is, was pretty much my experience kind of took me there. Um, and then the other niche, it was mainly in like the 
more of like the plant-based businesses were because of my interest honestly it was i was like okay if i can help businesses to grow i'd like to help these kind of businesses um and i actually started saying no to like hunting businesses and uh, businesses that didn't quite align my values so it was pretty much uh, very organic how it went towards that direction interesting so you're choosing you know a business that you genuinely believe in yeah and you're not just going for where is the opportunity uh, well, I see both things. Like, yeah, I do believe in them and I see opportunities in this kind of clients. Uh, I wouldn't work, like I actually said no to clients that I, I saw that they were, they were still not um, as mature as they need to be for them starting to do marketing. Um, so it, it kind of both things have to be true. Like both mm-hmm. being an opportunity there and also... Uh, I have to believe in that business as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that makes sense. Um, so let's see what what are you focusing on now? So you've built these businesses. Yeah, you you have them in a good state. What are your current challenges to get to the next level? Current challenges, um. Well, in not to die for, like I said, we I'd like to add much more products, like at least a thousand for the beginning of next year. Um, so that is like the main challenge there. Like the idea is for it to be like a vegan and cruelty free Amazon, not just a, a curated e-commerce. Um, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done for uh, curating each product and making sure that everything is kind of aligned with. Uh, what the audience wants as well. And then in terms of TQ, the, the agency, it's doing very well, uh, but it's always uh, good having more clients. So that's what we work on. Like, fortunately, the clients that we have are, are very happy. So we are in the moment in which it's a, a good moment for scaling everything out and kind of having more. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's really cool. So, um, how do you see the future of, like, do you see the sustainability market increasing over time? Is is that sort of the play that, you know, this is where the future is. So I want to build a market as the audience grows. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, And we can see year over year how, uh, these subjects are like being more important not only the brands that are sustainable like per se but also many brands are uh, have, have a long history of not being sustainable are trying to go towards that direction um, and you can see that in the results as well like uh, mm-hmm. it's I like that. You know, it's very clear, like how when a brand kind of communicates that and kind of uh, goes towards that direction, we get to see better results. But at the same time, it's not like okay, you can brand anything into being sustainable and people will buy. It has to be a good product that solves a problem. Uh, it's 
And I feel like many brands are failing there, but many others are doing it the right way. And those are the ones that are going to be successful. Yeah, they, they call it greenwashing, right? Yeah, like exactly. Pre pretending <laughs> to be conscious. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of that. Also a lot of uh, now another similar term that it's uh, kind of increasing as, as well. It's plant-based washing. Like brands can say that something is plant-based when it it's not really that plant-based. Um, and again, they they do a lot of plant plant based washing now as well, um, and there are a lot of labels like cruelty free labels that are not uh, regulated by law also, so anyone can say that. So it's, um, but I feel like the the audience, like the public, it's being more aware of those kind of things, and the brands will need to adapt and be more transparent because there are a lot of uh, people who are kind of noticing that. But, mm -hmm. yeah. And do you, do you work with anybody? Like, are, are you sort of like the central node behind these, like the business curation? Do you work with anybody who's a sort of expert in this area who can like help advise on which products to sell? How does that work in terms of like industry knowledge around this? Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty much the, the one who does that. And there are we have some tools uh, of different um yeah businesses that what they do is kind of tell you which brands are cruelty free and which no, there are like cruelty free brands, some that are in like in a gray area and some that are not cruelty free at all. We only use the and the ones that are 100% cruelty free, not only cruelty free, but also in terms of ingredients. Yeah, it's reading each ingredient and uh, knowing where that ingredient comes from. Because when you read the label, like most in ingredients have like very weird names. Uh, and most people don't even know that they are like a, the, a part of a, an animal, for example. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we do that. All of that curation, we do that. But yeah, in terms of industry knowledge, I'm, since I am vegan, it's pretty much me. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, so you built your agency to, and you have several people now. I'm curious, how did you begin to stack the team? What did you? What role did you start with? What was the first hire that you had to make? Yeah, my main role um, was uh, paid media. I'm very like personally very data-driven numbers. And um, my first experience, my first work experience was in paid media. So I kind of, uh, I certified uh, at Google um, and then started to uh, grow in that area and also started getting clients from that area. But then I've always been a very like, um, a generalistic and very like focused on strategy as well. So uh, when it comes to social media, uh, people always kind of ask me or email marketing, like I did in my work experience, I kind of did pretty much everything uh, being paid media, my main expertise that when I started getting more clients, then I, started hiring people like in social media for example which it's something that i, I kind of 
do in terms of strategy, but in terms of implementing, I did it in the past, like more than 10 years ago, uh, but it's something that I didn't want to focus. So I hired someone for that area. Uh, and also the person I hired is better than me and uh, I'm doing that. Uh, so yeah, I focused on the, the areas that I knew that there were other people who were going to, to do a better job than I do. Um, and I focused on what I know best, which is pretty much strategy, numbers, analytics, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of stuff. What about people management? How did you grow into that as a leader? Yeah, I try to be like present, but not micromanaging. I do have a, with each team member two calls a, a week, but 30 minutes. Um, I'm always available on Slack and chat, email, etc. But I try to have this uh, meeting so that we can kind of do a touch base. Um, and then I do with each member as well a, a monthly meeting, mainly focused on the monthly meetings are focused on their growth and kind of putting myself at their uh, disposal and being like, hey, what can I do to help you and what do you, like how do you see and and also like we strategize on their growth within the agency and their likes uh, because sometimes when like on the daily uh on a daily basis when you work and you're too focused on the work and you don't kind of put a, a stop every now and then to discuss um what they like what if they want to change some something about their job or about my leadership style even like it's not, not everyone likes the, the same style so it's kind of um i like putting this monthly meeting so that we kind of have the time to see where we can improve uh, mm-hmm. and also focus on their growth as well uh, so Makes that's sense. pretty much how how i manage everything in terms of uh, management and leadership mm-hmm. we do for everything a project management we do manage everything from Asana, which is a project management tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that's pretty much how we we handle it. But yeah, I try to be very available always for them. That's, that's great. Um, I, I want to move on to strategy. So you mentioned that's a big part of your role. So what mm-hmm. are some areas where you make strategic decisions? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, of course. Um, so in terms of strategy, like pretty much in, um, in most roles, but when it comes to, let's say we got a new client and when we, many clients don't even know what they need. So that's where, yeah, that's where I come to place and say, let's say like analyze the brand, their competitors and also the, um, their market so that we we kind of uh, brainstorm within the team and put together the strategy uh, taking into account the the conversion funnel like all of the the steps of the way like how the customer journey will look like for this specific client uh, we do analyze where they are at right now and what um they should do in terms of whether it's paid media whether they have to do email marketing because if it's a a new a client that doesn't have a lot of time in the market that maybe they don't even have email marketing lists so why would 
they spend money on email marketing. So, okay, let's focus on prospecting or sometimes it's the other way around. It's always a mix of everything, but yeah, that part is mainly what I focus on the most. Whenever we have a report, we do analyze uh, with the team together and uh, determine next steps based on the data and the results that we had. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how we we work on, on that. And do you set up analytics for your clients? Can you walk us through how that works? Yeah. Um, yeah, we do everything analytics we implement through Google Tag Manager. Um, and we, well, now it's Google Analytics 4. Um, so we recently we had to migrate all the analytics account to Google Analytics 4 because Google decided to change the platform, which is okay. Um, but yeah, the first thing we do is implement the, the general attack there. Um, and then depends, depending on the client, on the events that they have on the website, if, if it's an e-commerce, we would implement the, uh, the purchase metrics with the revenue uh, and everything that has to do with the product details. If it's not an e-commerce, maybe the objective is uh, generating leads. So we would implement that as well. Um, the implementation that we would do pretty much depends on the objective of the client. Uh, so mm -hmm. the first thing would pretty much analyze that. Okay, like what do we want to measure um, based on our KPIs and our objectives, right? Got it. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, so you use Google Tag Manager. Yeah. Uh, are you doing any advertising offline, anything in the direct uh, or like the physical like paper space or is it all digital? We do all digital, everything but PR, which is 99% digital anyways. But um, yeah, for everything PR, it is very much uh, speaking to the media uh, mm -hmm. and doing all of that manual work like with our PR and the head of PR of ours, it kind of pretty much managed all the, the contact list from the, the press and all of the contacts that we have um, and send them the, the press releases. We create the press releases and send them and make sure that the, the, the media um, communicates them. Uh, but yeah, that's the, mo the less online thing that we do, but it's pretty much online as well. If you wanted to like would you then subcontract out another from another uh, agency if you want if you wanted to add other marketing tactics or would you build that capability internally if a client needed it how would you so go about it that depends on if we don't have the expertise then it will be better to kind of hire third party than someone who knows better Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's a freelancer and doesn't have to be a, a whole agency, but I, I think it kind of depends on the, yeah, on the situation. Um, but yeah, when in everything offline, um, we never did that, honestly, uh, but I should analyze it when, when the case comes and mm -hmm. uh, maybe it makes more sense. like. A freelancer or someone who can manage that part. But, Got it. Yeah, I guess it will depend. 
Yeah, and then do you do you connect with like media mix modeling or MTA modeling? Do you offer those kinds of analytics? How do you how do you work with that? So, so I didn't get the the question. And do you do you do MMM modeling or do you like offer that in a in a sense where you can like connect with a company that does that kind of modeling? to offer that analytics if you or in, in other words if you wanted to offer that analytics how would you go about it what would mml mm modeling mean and so we don't yeah so so when when you're looking at um all the different spend but mmm basically means uh how should we spend our marketing budget across the different yeah. tactics and placements so the company will come in and like they'll create a model based off of your previous spend in the buckets and and say yeah. here's how much you should put towards this tactic or that tactic oh yeah no yeah we do that we kind of call it budget distribution um but it's uh, we do analyze when we do the strategy we do the analysis of okay like where is the demand um if we need to create demand or maybe it's there and we just have to do more like push kind of strategies um it will kind of we do that analysis um not only in google trends but also uh, the keywords in google ads and also the different audiences that you get to see on um on media more like prospecting media like if it's ads or youtube ads um and based on that we create the the budget distribution like the media plan uh, and we allocate budget to this different kind of tactics depending on uh, the objective that we want to achieve and also the like how the the market is behaving mm -hmm. yeah that, that makes sense yeah um it's it's something you know every everybody who manages marketing spend has to have a, a method for deciding how much should go to yeah. each tactic yeah 100 percent Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like part of the strategy. Like the first part is the, the research, and then based on the research, we determine like how to allocate it. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, like whenever we we make the first report, if there with the data, we get to see some opportunities that in the initial research um, were missed. Uh, so we redistribute. The the good thing about digital marketing is that you can a pivot strategy easily because we can uh, make a redistribution of, of the budget uh, as while you see data and, and based on the user's behavior some mm -hmm. things are not always as predictable so it's good to like see the data so then you can redistribute the budget and allocate it to the tactics that work mm -hmm. the best so what kind of testing do you do for your clients and um do you do a lot of like creative testing targeting testing what, what's your you know bread and butter yeah. yeah testing pretty much everything honestly from email marketing you get to test like from the subject to the creative within the email also like in paid media we always use at least three ads so that they a b test um and you end up like kind of showing the one that performs and better um, we do a bit testing in websites even um, showing 50% of the users one landing page and the other percentage 
than another landing page to see which one has the highest conversion rate. Um, so yeah, in terms of A-B testing, it's pretty much on everything. And it's great so that you can like get data and optimize optimize the, um, the campaigns and the, the website landing pages, pretty much everything you, you can optimize with that. You know, speaking about sort of measurement and testing, when you're um, when you're running multiple tactics, sometimes one tactic can sort of steal attribution from others, especially if you yeah. have a linear attribution method like last or first touch. So, can you tell us about how you navigate instances like that, or any examples or stories you have? Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, that's true. Like you get to to see that it's typical that the search brand campaigns always has has a lot of uh, of sales but then the the meta ads awareness campaigns just have some clicks and sessions but when you get to see the the overall but like first of all you kind of you know and you can educate the client on how the, this works the upper funnel you will have the the prospecting awareness and the, yeah the, the prospecting channels that will bring awareness but won't bring you sales but then and then the lower funnel ones which like brand campaigns for example will give you more sales but um you know that there are like different kind of attribution models uh, i feel like the most common one is last click and that's why you get to see those numbers like the brand having a lot of uh, conversions and the meta awareness ones having few or none uh, but yeah when you get to see a position-based attribution model that's one that i like a lot uh, you kind of see like oh how the um, meta ads campaigns impacted on the conversion like how the user first saw the ad they didn't buy at the moment but they did go to the website then a few days later, they searched the brand because they remembered the ad. Uh, and that kind of gives you like a better insight on how the audience is behaving. Um, and yeah, I've seen pretty much everything when it comes to this, like there are um, many clients are like, okay, let's only leave the brand campaigns and post everything else. And it's like, well, if you do that, then you are not going to have the, the amount of conversions that you're having because the brand campaign is having conversions because we are generating awareness first. So, um, okay. So yeah, but I, I think it's, it makes a lot of sense always analyzing a position-based attribution model. And also, I also like to see like the first touch point and the last one so that you like kind of see the, the complete story of the, the customer journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And what it, what did you mean by position based attribution? Yeah, so position based is pretty much when you, um, it is a, an attribution model that you get to see in analytics where you have, um, some so most of the attributions is distributed distributed in the first and the last touch points, and then there is a little bit of attribution in the middle touch points as well. So you get to see pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. um, Okay. Yeah, there are different kind of attribution models. It will vary from client to client, which makes more sense using. Um, but yeah, that's just one of the 
the ones out there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's I always like analyzing like not only one attribution model, but having two or three so that it kind of it's more insightful. You get to see better what's going on. Yeah, you have different stories and different mm-hmm. tactics are mm-hmm. best shown through different lenses. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Some some of the more direct conversion tactics, mm-hmm. like for instance, I work in direct marketing. So we're a yeah. conversion focused set of tactics where we're mailing people with offers and mm-hmm. we're just, we know exactly who the person is. So we're just sending them directly versus if you have an upper funnel, maybe a display campaign and you're reaching th- you know, thousands and millions of new people who have never, mm-hmm. uh, maybe may not be familiar. Um, and it's, yeah. it's really not focused around conversion as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have, you know, different, um, lenses through which you would look at those mm-hmm. tactics. You would, you wouldn't look for conversion efficiency for, uh, or, or or large conversion volume for upper funnel display. Yeah. Um, so you'd want to look at like, how does you know the MTA look on that or MMM? Like how many people are we actually exposing versus how many people uh, actually bought based off of it? So I'm totally yeah. with you. Different lenses for you know different performance stories. Yeah, exactly. And there are also different objectives. And sometimes in with one client you have a different objectives as well you have sales but also you have leads because like both things are good for the brand uh, and it's also a matter of kind of putting a value to each uh, objective that's something that um, I see that not many people do but it's something that I insist a lot on doing because it's like uh, the maximum cost per acquisition like having that in your head kind of will allow you to spend more or less money on on creating awareness as well so if you have those measurable numbers the measurable objectives in mind like that will allow you to uh, create better strategies focused on real numbers because many times it's like oh i want more sales but like okay that's kind of a bit bog but if you don't put like a um a precise measurable objective it's kind of uh, it's kind of hard to get there you won't have a like a realistic uh, goal objective mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. and when you're when you're deciding how much to spend obviously you need to have an idea of the ltv of those customers yeah, yeah. so how do you how do you go about figuring that out yeah so that is a uh, so usually um it depends again it depends on the like the historical data that the client has sometimes they do have a lot of data and with that we can calculate the the long time value uh, which is great when we have that because it, it allows us to directly tell them okay with this the return of ad spend that it's profitable to you is this amount of number even like if we have a cost per lead of let's say a hundred dollars we are still going to be profitable because that lead we will be able to convert them and sale through email marketing uh, because if we have all that data the conversion rate through email marketing the the long-term value and uh, the average uh, sale that makes it very easy to to calculate and also to work with because we will be able to uh, kind of create tactics based on those numbers. 
uh, so that we can uh, go get those achieve those goals um but it, it's harder when the business is kind of starting or they don't have a lot of data or they have a product that changes every now and then uh, so in those cases it's working towards um like first generating awareness and kind of see like first generating data and once we have the data then we can like analyze it and, and determine next steps because mm -hmm. yeah it's usually harder when a, a business it doesn't have a lot of data I mean, having data helps a lot how do you manage the performance data for your campaigns do you use a cloud database that's what do you use sql um what do you what do you use for your clients so we use a uh, looker studio um it depends on also like the the specific tactics that we are using um but for yeah for pretty much everything we do uh, analyze data and in looker studio we integrate with analytics uh, with facebook ads with uh, google ads and uh, on social media we kind of put everything living there so that we can have a general view of what is going on and also where to optimize the and we focus on the main metrics so that also the client kind of have an, an executive overview and then we go into details uh, for our use and like to see where to optimize and uh, yeah so that we can determine the, the next steps and the strategy moving forward that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I, I find Luger Studio, it's pretty good uh, for for everything that has to do with data analysis. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, I want to talk, talk about um, funnel strategy for yeah. e-commerce. Do you have any feedback or any advice that you would offer for... Yeah how to construct a funnel strategy awesome yeah of course so um the funnel in case like some someone listening don't know it's pretty much like first a uh, creating awareness and the channels for doing that are usually a uh, like social media meta ads uh, focusing on those who don't know you yet but you but they kind of are your target audience so it's pretty much reaching those and then the the lower the funnel the more um the more interested the user will be on buying um so what i recommend is you always doing a mix of all of the steps of the all of the steps of the funnel because if you focused on one only then like let's say we focused on awareness like yeah you will get awareness but then when people search for you on google and if you're not there they they're not going to find you and not going to buy or if you um you don't do remarketing to them like someone enters the website and leaves and you don't remarket them they are very likely to forget about your product even if they liked it um so yeah i would focus on all of the steps um so that you kind of keep it going uh, and also like if you already have a, a awareness created and you focus on lower funnel then that won't last a long time because if you don't create awareness then you will lose um, mm -hmm. that audience yeah they you will have sales in the short term but if you don't create awareness at the same time they 
the sales will will decrease. And that I've seen that a lot of times because some clients are like, okay, I already generated awareness. Now I want to focus on lower funnel and they stop doing awareness and that can like, yeah, it works. It brings money. We bring sales in the short term, but then uh, since you're not generating awareness, the people will kind of lose interest in your brand. Uh, so yeah, the, the main advice would be that like focusing on all of them and not, uh, yeah, and not focus on like one or few. Um, to be consistent on all of them, I think that consistency in digital marketing in general, it's kind of like the key to to improve your brand, to increase awareness, and kind of um, have a successful business. Um, yeah, that's and also like taking into account like the different media out there. You have paid media, you have email marketing for like lower funnel strategies, you have a well organic social media, you have SEO, you have blog posting, um, like use analyze all the media available and add those to, to your media mix and to your funnel because uh, people are not focused like only in one specific place. Um, and also the other thing is like don't be afraid to to be able strategies if needed. If you create one strategy, you start running the campaigns or the uh, the tactics that you decided to use. If you get to see the the results after a month, let's say, and you see that uh, one thing is working better than expected, uh, don't be afraid of like building strategy and focus more on what it's working for you. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much, I think, the, the main thing that I would suggest. Thank you. I want to ask about your creative support. So who does your creative? How do you um, manage creative output for your mm -hmm. campaigns? Yeah. So uh, we do have designers, uh, video editors, um, and the, the copywriter in-house. But sometimes the clients, uh, they do have... Uh, the, the design so they they want to manage that so it, it kind of depends on the client whether we do the, those or whether they do the that part because many times they have design in house so they do all the creatives for all the pieces for all the yeah the the platforms and they send over uh, but many times we the we do that in house uh, but it pretty much depends on the client honestly um, Okay. And the creative will depend on the, the tactic. Like, let's say for awareness, we are not going to use the same creative as in remarketing because there are people who are in like different stages in different parts of the funnel. Um, those who, if we are doing awareness, then we have to keep in mind that these people don't know us uh, and we want to educate them on we are but remarketing they know us already so maybe it's more like hey come back um, and showing a, maybe a testimonial or a unique value proposition that we might have so it the messaging will vary depending on on that and also on the, the specific segmentation sometimes 
uh, within awareness, for example, we target younger people. We create a segmentation for younger people. And then for last 50, for example, we have another audience. So the creative will also vary depending on that. That's a good thing about digital marketing that we can be very precise on segmentation. So we can um, yeah, make creatives based on that, on the different kind of audiences. Mm -hmm. So do you have, so your creative support, these people have like marketing experience, right? Or is there like a marketer that is helping with the audience tailoring of the creative? Oh yeah, the paid media strategy will kind of say like, okay, we need this, um, like kind of strategize the, um, of course it will depend on the, on the tactic that we are using, but let's say paid media, in that case, a paid media strategy would be like, okay, we're going to target uh, these people and we want to send them this message and then we'll send that to design um, so that we can have that creative. Sometimes the design is in-house, sometimes it is uh, from the client side, but yeah, everything like strategy of who are we going to be communicating what that comes from our end. Thank you, Tiffany. This has been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.